welcome back to the SNH Farm Supply High School Highlight Show. We are on Jock and 98.7 ESPN Radio. Certainly glad you've tuned in. And as always, the Missouri State Highway Patrol reminds us to take that three seconds and buckle up. It's three seconds that could save your life. And probably ought to add to that, wash your hands and don't touch your face uh, either in this time of pandemic that we are going through. It's a great pleasure uh, to introduce a longtime friend and a, a gentleman I sat across the uh, well, just across the table from, across the glass from, so to speak, for about eight years, and uh, Missouri Sports Hall of Famer and, and legend, Ned Reynolds. Ned, hey, thanks so much for being generous with your time today. Guy, you talk about being separated. We are separated by, what, about 60 or 70 miles? <laughs> yes, we are indeed. It's uh, it just it's just different times. Uh, the last uh, month of, of my show, of this show, have been all interviews via the phone. This is, of course, it's unprecedented. We're all in 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 an area that we're not familiar with. We have never had to dealt with things like this as a country. No, it certainly is unique to say the very least. Never in my most horrendous dreams would I've ever thought we'd go through something like this. But it's here. Hopefully it won't be for a whole lot longer, but who's to know? It's so unprecedented that uh, in, in, indeed we just have to live day by day, actually hour by hour, to see just exactly how things are going to come out. Uh, really, I'm by nature an optimist. I hope by maybe sometime in May or June that we're maybe at least back to semi-normal because I really do. I'm a big baseball fan guy, as you know, and I really do miss that sport in and of itself. But to have everything, everything shut down, it's, well, something that takes more than just adjustment. It takes a complete mental go-through to where you stand right now. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we... Had an opportunity last week, I, I, and you remember Dr. Jeffrey Brown from Harvard. Uh, got, well. got him on the line and talked a little bit about just the anxiety and the fear and things that uh, folks are going through, from all the way from you know elementary school age children all the way up to uh, you know folks in their 80s and 90s. I can't imagine you know just knowing what I've gone through, just being quarantined here myself at my house to to know what. Uh, you know, those kids are, are going through right now. Misha has decided that they have canceled all spring sports seasons, that schools, have, uh, by the order of the governor, will not reopen, will not return to session this year, and uh, just a lot of things going on that I never thought would ever happen. You know, Guy, you're, you're perfectly aware of the magazines that we put out. We put out our baseball magazine about two or three weeks ago, and here it's, it's never going to come to fruition. The magazine is, but the, the teams will not. And I really felt like when the season was delayed, the baseball season especially, was delayed in getting underway, I thought this is going to be awfully hard to bring back, even though Misha did say we're going to try to keep it on the table for as long as we can. Well, when Governor Parson, and, and it is the correct decision that he made, when he said we're going to close the schools now and not reopen them at all, then Misha had no option. They had to cancel the sports season. And, and really, when you think about it, if they had opened the schools at the end of April, how many weeks would be remaining? What, three or four? Somewhere around there. You couldn't accomplish the season in that. So really, it's it's a devastating situation. But hopefully, hopefully it's a once-in-a-lifetime one, and we'll make the adjustments to it. You bet. Ned, wanted to visit with you a little bit. Uh, obviously, a legendary career here in, in southwest Missouri with KY3 and all the things that you've had opportunity to see and be a part of. Coming from the East Coast and, and, and taking the job, uh, here in town, 
what was the the high school atmosphere like at that point and compared maybe uh, to where you were from back on the east coast what what, what were some of the uh, high points and low points and and, and what uh, was your impression when you first got here <laughs> well in all honesty it was very similar to what we had and then changed almost at a ditto mark at the same time uh, we never had we never had any prep of playoffs in football uh, back in New Jersey when I was there. There was a mythical state champion that was judged by the newspapers, the news media, and so forth and so on. But as far as playoffs were concerned, they did not exist. After I left that area, they did come to fruition, just about the time they did here in Missouri, which was 1968. I'll not forget that in 68. Uh, prior to my coming here, we had uh, the small school champions and they all played together for a long time but uh, you have the small school and then the middle school and larger school and so forth and so on well the first year that i was here the football champions just began and among the champions was kabul which hasn't done anything uh, since then at least in relative terms and they won the state class championship and i've forgotten what class it was but they won it over at kennedy stadium and that was the start of the playoffs that was in 1968 and now it's progressed to being a a very big deal and locale being highly sought now back east back east in basketball you had a public uh, school state champion and a parochial school state champion that's the way we always did it back east here it's everybody together, and I must admit, I do like this system better. I know there are variables involved, and I know many of the coaches get upset because the parochial schools have an advantage, but there are ways to mitigate against that, including the boosting up at uh, the level of play. Those are all built-in circumstances that try to make the playing field a little bit more uh, even. But I do like all the schools playing together, and I hope that continues to be the existence. I know you're going to ask me... I, somewhere along the line about the best team that I ever saw. And, of course, you have to categorize them by sports. But I think overall, probably the best football team, this may wrangle a few area fans here, but the best football team that I saw here on the prep level was the 1980 Joplin Parkwood team. Guy, they were sensational, absolutely sensational. Alan Cockrell was their quarterback. They had so many good players they went the season 14-0 and and won the state championship. <laughs> but even more than that, I think what made them so really outstanding was the fact that only one team scored on them during the regular season. Now, they did give up some points in the playoffs. Lost or beat the Hazelwood Central, I think, 20-13 to in the state championship game. But in the 10-game regular season, only one team scored against them. And it's kind of a unique story because that one team was Springfield-Glendale. And it was the fourth game of the season. Joplin, Joplin's goal that year was to not give up a single point, give up none. So late in the game, late in the game, I think the score was 50 to nothing if I'm, if I, my mind, that's a long time ago. I think it was Joplin 50, Glendale nothing with, uh, oh, less than a minute to go in the game. Joplin scored a touchdown, had to kick off. Glendale ran the kickoff back 96 yards for a touchdown with six seconds remaining in the game, six seconds. When Joplin's kids walked off the field, you'd have thought that they just lost. They went with their heads hanging down, helmets, the guys, oh my gosh, what has happened here? 50 to six was the final score. 
that was, uh, this was this was a great team. Dewey Combs had a sensational outfit. We've had some very good teams in that regard, but that's the best uh, the best football team certainly that I ever saw. You know, as you look back on that, uh, you know that era. You know, I know uh, Monette had some outstanding football teams uh, there. Uh, Monette had some outstanding football teams in that era as well. Mount Vernon had a state championship and. Would have been nice to maybe see some of those teams of different eras uh, be able to Jeff Walsters and Mount Vernon team, you know, in that '78 season to play that Alan Cockrell team. Uh, there's just a lot of memories as you look back on. Who were some of the coaches that you had the privilege to to, to be able to, to visit with that that really stood out to you over your past uh, the history you had here? Well, there were a lot of them. Burl Fowler, of course, at Monette, who you just mentioned. Boss McAllister at, at Aurora was a, a great guy. My favorite is Paul Mullins at Springfield Greenwood. He had a, a couple of state championships and uh, some contending teams. This is Greenwood, folks, the lab school. They played football right up until, and I think the year was 1992, if I'm not mistaken. Scott Bailey at Lamar, outstanding coach. Really sorry he's no longer there, but I'm sure that uh, Jared Bishore will do a very good job down there. Any any number of them, they've been really fine mentors. Uh, Clayton Spencer at Springfield Central, uh, gosh, they, they've all been, all been very, very good and solid teachers of the game, and that's what made it different. I'm glad you brought that up, too, about the comparison. I would, would have loved to have seen uh, the Joplin Parkwood team against the best Web City team. Now, of course, it would all be mythical, but heck, Webb City has won 15 state championships. They're the state leader, and they've been nothing more than sensational. The Lamar team, seven consecutive state championships. These are all outstanding football teams and outstanding coaches and leaders on those clubs, and that makes a very big difference in everybody's community. As you look at uh, you know moving into the basketball season, we just had – uh, the Stratford Lady Indians win their fifth consecutive, which no one has ever done on the women's side, five five in a row. You had Marshfield that, that won a four in a row. Crane won four in a row uh, as well here just recently. Um, you look at just the, the basketball side of it. What are some of the teams that really stood out, men's and women's teams, that stood out to you uh, over the past uh, 50 years? Uh, no question about the uh, in the women's group, Marshfield. I remember once going on the air after they'd won – 102 straight games and had that streak broken. I said, well, I'll never live to see that record broken. Well, I am still here and not maybe on the air on a regular basis anymore. But here comes Stratford with 123 straight wins and five consecutive championships. Marshfield won four. Boy, they, I'll tell you, they were they're just dominating teams that were nothing short of outstanding. Good players, yes great players well that remains to be seen as their careers go on uh, melody howard and uh, kaylee frank outstanding individuals indeed from player sample but we have had others but in terms of teams heck you've had uh, it, you know there was one time guy i wonder how many are, would remember this not a whole lot but uh, there was in 1982 and i think that's right 1980 have to go back in the records and but Southwest Missouri won three of the four state boys titles. I remember very well. Morrisville, Marionville, and Logan Rogersville all won state championships that year. And there were four classes. Hey, don't overlook the Walnut Grove Lady Tigers either. They won, I think I'm right on this, is it six? Does that sound right? Six state championships in the 21st century? Does they have. Right? Uh, you know, Coach Rory Henry 
won his fifth. Darren Miners won the first one in, in 2007. Uh, this is Coach Henry's 11th year, and he's won five, and he's went to eight Final Fours in the, in those 11 years. And you know, this year won the state championship. Not a senior on the team. Oh my gosh, they're gonna and and we'll, when uh, and I assume we'll have basketball next year. And when we put our magazine out, we're gonna have to pick them 32 and zero. Would they have everybody coming back? It's just a dominant program. The one I overlooked when I came here back in the late 1960s, Bradleyville. Bradleyville down uh, deep in southwest Missouri, down close to the Arkansas border, had just a dominant team with great players, had a state championship uh, team in 1968. But you have read the uh, the book, Hits from the Stakes, that Leon Combs authored. And it's it's a very, it's just, it portrays, portrays basketball the way it should be you know guy we live in a basically rural area other than springfield st louis and kansas city and in that rural area you see this teams go through dominant periods and then long periods of it's long periods of just uh oh barely adequate athletic uh, abilities and that is because of the way the transient population that we have it isn't very transient in those small towns and as a result you get that era where you're great and then a long time when you're not well that's what makes it so exciting because there's always that hope that you're going to have a great team somewhere along the line and bradleyville certainly had that plato had them licking had them they're they're just terrific opportunities for towns to come together and really celebrate the glory that is athletics did you look at maybe four or five people that you can maybe put your thumb on as far as having a huge uh, amount of input into the to the successes of this area. Obviously, Cheryl Burnett will come to my mind on the women's basketball side as as they got so good. They used local talent, and you know that really filled the seats up when you were able to go there and see kids that played at Marshfield. Um, who are some of the people in in the, over the past fifty years that you really feel like have had a, a large impact on the sports world at the college and and high school level? Well, certainly at the college level, you mentioned Cheryl. Cheryl Burnett uh, is right there at the top of the list, along with Charlie Spoonauer. Charlie came on, and uh, while he did not necessarily use all local talent, you couldn't really, at a Division One level, expect to compete in in college athletics. Uh, Jesse Branch, when he was uh, when he was coaching the football Bears at Missouri State and took them to their only two playoff appearances ever, did have a good rate of success using local talent, and they did play very well. Jason Whittle from up at Camdenton uh, uh, was a, a, a key contributor to uh, the Bears football teams back then as far as local individuals are concerned. But the fact of the matter remains, we did have key individuals who were able to exude a, a high level of influence. I really do like the way some of the high school coaches uh, throughout the area have been able to bring their teams on. But uh, even more than coaches, and you talked about Burnett and uh, Charlie Spoonauer, Bill Thomas prior to those individuals, Bill Thomas at Missouri State, Bill Harding at uh, Parkview and then at Drury, and uh, Molly Miller, who just left the scene at Drury, not only as a player, but as a coach. My goodness, look at that record, 180, 17, 180 wins, 17 losses. That speaks for itself. These have all been top individuals who've been able to exude 
that level of teaching and make it make it into a winning formula. Uh, Ballard out at uh, Marshfield was uh, certainly a strong contributor to that as well. Now we're talking mostly basketball, but in football there have been key individuals as well, key individual coaches who have done just that perfect level of teaching that brings about a championship effort and motivates the kids. That's where you really succeed. I'm going to mention a couple of names to you that that I played for and had it had influence over me, and you can maybe tell me if and maybe you haven't had contact with them, but. Uh, one guy that I played for that I, I always enjoy visiting with is, is George Wilson. <laughs> Old George, and I and I say that in a comic sense because he's the same age I am. He was really just a great coach uh, at the high school level. And I'll tell you what made him so inspirational, I think, to so many around here was when he retired. He was all set to retire. He had no intentions of ever getting back into coaching. And I've uh, forgotten who it was down at College of the Ozarks who came to him and said, hey, why don't you take over our girls' program, our women's program down here? Oh, I've never coached girls before. And he decided to, and look at the record that he had. Coach Wilson did it with a, a good level of teaching, a good level of motivation. I, I thought he was really the epitome of being a, an outstanding coach and mentor. Yeah, he's a, he's a top-flight individual. A guy that I played football for in, in high school, Tom Cox. Uh, you know, he's been in the studio with us uh, you know, on occasion. But uh, what, what are your memories there? Tommy's still coaching, as a matter of fact, and doing yeah. a doing a great job. When uh, when I moved down to Ozark, and it's been a, a number of years ago, uh, he was coaching Ozark High School at that time, and a really solid individual, solid coach, and another one of those outstanding motivators who knows how to get the best out of his athletes there's that's the key guy to uh, anyone who gets into that profession it isn't just being on the sidelines and jumping up and down and ranting and raving and carrying on you have to be a good teacher and a good motivator and explain to youngsters what the techniques of whatever sport it might be you have to explain to them what those techniques are and why they work because our kids are not slow to learn they do understand fully well and have to be reasoned with as well as just being told you don't follow a leader blindly you follow that individual because you have a lot of faith in what they do yeah moving into uh, into baseball here is kind of taking it full circle uh you know baseball this season uh, nobody got to play a game um, as you look back on just the past 50 years, obviously uh, Hillcrest had some tremendous runs. Glendale was good, uh, you know, in that era. Mansfield and what uh, what they were able to do. Uh, what are your memories? Somebody that that stand out about uh, high school baseball coaches and players. And you are talking there about schools that had three great coaches: Dick Birmingham at Hillcrest, Don Provence at Glendale, and the late Doug Jones at Mansfield. My goodness sake these are guys who dedicated their lives to the sport of baseball and to making their players outstanding hillcrest while they i think they had two state championship teams in high school but they had a whole slew of them in american legion baseball the fact is that coach birmingham who was not only just a great coach but a highly respected teacher and speaker of the game uh, was so good at bringing those teams together and you look, you look at the teams that he had. Uh, when I first came here, which was the uh, winter of 1967, their team before, and this was explained to me, their high school team in 1966 at Hillcrest had six players drafted 
for Major League Baseball. Now, none of them turned out to be uh, any kind of a star, anything like that. But they had six players off that 1966 team drafted. And then after that, Heggie had George Frazier, of course, who played for a number of years, and Bobby Dethridge and Keith Drumright, and gosh, Doug Bennett and Wayne Ryan, and oh gosh, Kelly Snyder, Billy O'Dell. These are just some of the names that come to mind from that Hillcrest team. And Provence at Glendale, good gracious sakes, he had Steve Rogers when I came here. He was just finishing up his high school career, headed for Tulsa University, and later the Montreal Expos. He had Mark Bailey. You you just had any number of individuals. Bill Helfrick, and I'm probably letting uh, some news out that shouldn't be, but he'll be one of our inductees into the Springfield Sports Hall of Fame later on in September, assuming that everything has calmed down by then. Uh, There's a number of them. Another one's Byron Hagler at Licking. He had outstanding teams up there. Yeah, you're right, Guy. It's, It's the coaches, the teachers, and individuals who were able to take that teaching and motivation level and make good teams and good players out of them. Who were some of the more just interesting, I mean, guys that uh, you, you, you hang around with or get to visit with on the phone, maybe they're calling in scores. Uh, who were some of the more just interesting coaches, uh, male and female, that uh, you, you really enjoyed hearing from? Well, uh, Steve Hunter, Steve Hunter down at uh, Ozark, uh, of course, he had been at Hartville before then, and West Plains. He was one of them. Uh, there, actually, there are so many of them. It would it would uh, test my memory to come back with them. But uh, Gary Stanfield was always very good to deal with. There were some who weren't, I, and I'm not going to go into names or anything like that. But there were some coaches who were very reluctant to ever number one toot their own horn. And number two, to be forthcoming when they weren't having particularly good years. But that's part of what you get into in our business. And anybody who's involved in any kind of communications, be it print or be it electronic, will discover that you run into individuals who are reluctant. Some some aren't. Some are very verbal about what they do and are self-critical when they haven't done well. But in terms of... Uh, uh, pointing out an individual as such. Yeah, there were some good ones, and then there were some not-so-good ones. But, hey, that's all part of the game. You you run into that. But most of the coaches with whom I dealt, most of them have been nothing short of outstanding and really individuals dedicated to making their teams good, but over and above that, making their players, their students, into outstanding citizens. And I think for the most part, they've come through and made that a big part of the uh, the Ozarks community. You and I have probably called 50 or 60 high school football games. As you look back at all your opportunities uh, to call games at the collegiate level, at the high school level, do you have a favorite game or a favorite sport uh, that, that you really enjoy calling? Well, as a matter of fact, guy, yes, I do. Uh, I enjoy calling all sports play-by-play. Uh, the the one that sticks out in my mind more than any is not a game that I was calling, but a game that I was there to watch. Uh, you may or may not remember this, but it was, and I'm going to have to go back in the year, and I think it was 1989, if I'm not mistaken. But back then, the state championships, or at least in the lower classes, were held at what's now the Plaster Sports Complex, but back then was Briggs Stadium at uh, what was on Southwest Missouri State University. Okay, it was a game between Branson 
and St. Louis Lutheran North for the class, and I think it was three, if I'm not mistaken, class three state championship. Branson had the game won. 26 to 14, led with two minutes to go. 26 to 14, Branson leads it. Okay, Lutheran North scores the touchdown. And there's, uh, I, it's 26 to 21 at this point, but there's still so little time remaining. With about 17 seconds to go, Lutheran North gets the football, and the kid runs at 46 yards for a touchdown and scores the winning touchdown. Lutheran North scores twice in two minutes to win 28-26, probably the greatest comeback individually by a team in a state championship game that I've ever seen. Now, basketball, we go a little bit, uh, let's see, the year, it's either one year or two years later, I'm not sure which. But the <laughs> not forget this one either. The scene was at Kickapoo High School, but it did not involve a Springfield team. It was a state quarterfinal game between Forsyth and Alton. And anybody who was there will never, ever forget this game. These are two good teams. There's no fluke involved. Both were outstanding, certainly state-caliber teams. Forsyth scores, Brent Levins scores for Forsyth with about three seconds to go in the game and puts his team up, and I believe the score was 80-78. to 78. He put them up. Forsyth led 80-78 to 78 with three seconds left to go on Brent Levins' basket. Alton inbounds the ball. Andy Benson gets it from three quarters out on court and fires it home from three quarters. Now, both these guys are all state caliber players. And Andy Benson's goal, a three-pointer, won the game. I think the final score was 81 to 80. But that sent Alton to the state championship semifinals, which were at Hammond Student Center. I thought, what a, what a way to end the championship game. You know, those two stick out in, in my mind as being just great football games and certainly wonderful encounters altogether. As you look back uh, you know, on, the, on those games that you got to call, do you have a favorite sport that you enjoy calling? Do you prefer, prefer baseball games, basketball, or, or football? What's your favorite sport to call? I don't think I can call one a favorite because, Guy, they all involve different rhythms. When you're calling basketball, and Art Haynes, of course, is among the very best in the business at calling any sport, for that matter. But uh, when you're, you're calling a game, you are involved in and of yourself as a, you're part of the athletic venture itself. So in basketball, you're in much more of a rhythm when you do it. In football, you are, of course, involved with not only doing the game, but really diagramming verbally, uh, diagramming the plays that have just happened. You can't do that in basketball because it's happening too quickly. But in football, then you diagram them. In baseball, because of the pace, you better be a pretty good conversationalist to be able to carry on things. And uh, I or telecast my televised the games with Scott Bales, the Springfield Cardinals. I hope we get a few to do this year. It doesn't look very favorable right now. But he is a very good conversationalist in recalling the stories of his career as a major league baseball player and that all involves the game itself and that's where you find the good play-by-play announcers the very best ever uh well the best team the best team was jack buck and harry carey when harry carey was at his best those two were nothing short of outstanding and for a philadelphian like i am philadelphia native that takes some admission to do but (laughs) you have to you have to bow to the best and 
and in my opinion, they were the very best. But there's a, there's an element and a different rhythm to each game. I don't have a particular favorite. I enjoy doing all of them, and all of them involving involving individuals with whom you have some kind of a personal attachment of some sort. I think that makes the difference in a game. Visiting with Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Missouri Sports Legend Ned Reynolds here on the High School Highlights Show, brought to you by Great Southern Bank, Dope Propane, and the Missouri State Highway Patrol. And Ned, just just a last question here: um, What's the first thing you're going to do when when this is lifted? <laughs> Go to a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, man, and I really do hope. I do hope that we do have some level I, I, you know came out earlier when this whole uh, pandemic began guy and I said on a, another radio show that I have I said look you know what what the CDC and some of these other organizations are not uh, and not focusing on right now is the mental attitude of the American public we need sports we need sports as the escape valve for all the pressures. That's why it's there. It's that vicarious identification that the audience has with those athletes. I said that at the start. I'm backtracking on that a little bit now because this whole virus, this coronavirus, is so much different from anything we have ever faced. And it's so highly contagious. We have to be very, very, very careful when the whole circumstances uh, is allowed to backtrack a little bit and some of these uh, barriers now are lifted. We still have to be very careful because you don't want this ever to be repeated again. It is it is an episode in American history. I'm 78 years old, an American episode in history I've never seen and I never want to again, ever. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's uh, all of us feel the same way. It's uh, something that we hope gets over sooner rather than later and you know, you'd look at uh, uh, this the high school coaches and the high school kids that have lost their senior seasons. Not only that, but graduations and proms and and you know here Kickapoo was on their way to the to the final four in basketball, and so opportunities lost. But uh, we'll uh, certainly if we come out of this, I think as a country we'll be stronger. And 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 maybe it's maybe it's caused us to kind of slow down a little bit. I know it has, but we were going at such a pace that I just there don't think no we could stand it. No question that we have slowed down and no question that we have established perhaps a different level of life. Now, whether or not that adheres to, uh, we've been what, idle for about 38, 39, 40 days now, whether or not that adheres to a lifestyle change, only time will tell on that. But I, I fully agree with you, Guy, that we were at a pace in many respects in this life which may not have been beneficial. We'll find out, but I certainly think that Everything, everything happens for the best guy, and uh, somewhere along the line, we'll we'll reap the rewards from having had this happen. Absolutely. Well, Ned, I uh, I so much appreciate you being generous with your time today, and uh, and I hope you stay healthy and stay safe, and uh, I look look very much forward to our next meeting. You're a very kind guy. Thank you, and thank you all to uh, the listeners for taking part. And hey, good sports to all of you. You bet. Thanks, Ned. Thank you so much. Ned Reynolds here on the SNH Farm Supply High School Highlight Show. We'll step away, take a timeout, and come back after these messages from ESPN Radio.